This is the second part of a special podcast in the company of Morecambe journalist Mike Worley. As a reporter and later editor of the Morecambe Visitor, he's enjoyed a ringside view of the resort since the 1950s, charting the town's rise as tourists flock to the bay. But in this episode, he reflects on the challenge of having to tell readers the good days had gone. It took a bit to dawn on everybody, certainly to dawn on me, but I think it took a bit to dawn on the town as well, that slowly and surely, almost like a sea of lava coming down from the volcano, things were changing. And the uh, trains that brought thousands of people into Morecambe, the coaches that came in, su- suddenly started disappearing. And the, the holidays abroad started taking over. Where holidaymakers came and the industry um, benefited, it was on a plate for them. One morning almost, they woke up and where is everybody? And this was the start of Morecambe's decline. <clears throat> and it was a decline right into the, I thought, into the bottom of the abyss. Suddenly, um, all these bed and breakfast establishments in the West End particularly, and all the private hotels, had empty rooms. But by a quirk of fate, the go-ahead was given for the nuclear power station development at Hesham. And uh, whereas today this would be met with uh, furore and demonstrations and anger, it was welcomed with open arms, Hesham One Power Station. And the landlords who'd got empty bedrooms suddenly found themselves doing quite well out of construction workers who up sticks and came to Morecambe during the massive building program and that went on for years and years so they uh, had suddenly from a summer trade all year round trade but that was a two-edged sword because um, Morecambe declined terribly and the all these wonderful cinemas disappeared the ballrooms disappeared people's tastes have changed as well and Morecambe was very ill-prepared for this seismic change. It must be quite tough for the paper because you champion the town, don't you, because you're the local paper. From the top of the pedestal, Morecambe, you were, we were looking up then, Morecambe was really down at the bottom. It was a doom and gloom edition that you were producing virtually every week. Really sad stories to tell. And this went on for an awful long time, and of course it became notorious then because some landlords, unscrupulous landlords, were filling their rooms with people on benefits and they were going down to London under bridges where they were living in cardboard boxes and saying come to Morecambe by the seaside and they were bringing them back in in people carriers and shoving them into these squalid bedsits and they were advertising in East Lancashire newspapers why have why be on benefit in East Lancashire when you can come to the sunshine in Morecambe so that became really notorious and it actually led in the end to a completely reappraisal of houses in multiple occupation. And the council did get to grips with it in the end and imposed standards because people were being shoved 12 in a room and it was, I mean, it was appalling. So that was a really bad time for Morecambe, terrible. Victoria Wood was a quote that says it's see Naples and die, see Morecambe you think you already have. Tongue we can laugh now can't we, but at the time you know, it was, it was probably another kick and another stab that you didn't need. It was a comedian's paradise especially for somebody like Colin Crompton oh, that yeah. probably made a fortune out of Morecambe's demise and of course his, his stuff was funny, I mean you had to laugh yourself uh, you know, they don't bury the dead in Morecambe, you just stand them up in bush shelters <laughs> and, and, and you do, the only thing to do in Morecambe now is to watch the traffic lights change, things like that at the time yeah. went down really well but Morecambe's name was in the mire then. It was really being dragged through the mud. 
what did you think? Because you you spent all that time you know charting the success of Morecambe, but then to chart its kind of demise, it must be heartbreak. Well, it was from what we knew what Morecambe could be like and was like. And the thing was, is it was an air of um, not defeatism but despair because where do we go from here, and uh, how do we get back? And I think Morecambe was one of the first resorts in the country to feel this terrible downfall. I I still believe that its fortune started to change on the back of a storm. One or two storms, in fact. There was a storm in 1976, which was a bad one, caused a lot of damage. And that was declared as once in, I think, a 50-year storm. The following year, there was what was declared as a once in a 100-year storm. So we'd had two massive storms in two years. And this led to an urgent rethink about the sea defences. That led to what we've got now, these big rock groins which take the sting out of the tide and the a wave reflection wall, it looks quite demure and uh, insignificant but it turns the tide back and has done a wonderful job. So that started coming to play involving a lot of grant money but they did it all the way down the promenade and from that led to a public art scheme. Um, somebody said, well, why don't we make the most of this and have public art features? And they started to go, reflecting the wildlife and bird life of the bay. And that proved really spectacular because it was done properly. They had a brilliant team running this. And one of the uh, outstanding ones is that white, big white eagle or oh, mythical yes. bird on yes. the stone jetty. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was done with leftover marble yeah. by a, an artist called Gordon who, who led all this. And uh, he produced this out of nothing. And uh, even today, it's still a striking feature. Yeah. And the statue, of course, Eric Morecambe's statue. You know, who, Morecambre who can forget statue. that? Which, well, I'm delighted to say that the visitor played quite an important Absolutely. part in that. It, it launched the fund to raise money for the statue, and it, it did extremely well. People were, um, I think it was £5, and you could have your name engraved in the stonework below the statue. And this really caught on, and um, contributions came in from all around the world, from ex-Morecambrians who thought they'd like their name in, on Morecambe Promenade somewhere and that went really well and in the end the council got involved with that and uh, and produced what we have there today and so that was brilliant. It's rare that you can drive past in the middle of December or January you know on a horrendous kind of winter's day and there's always somebody there doing the Elf Eric kind of pose you know well, linking arms and it's, it's, remember, it's a huge success. I always remember talking to um, refuse department guys who the little machines where the clear would be set up I went one morning about five o'clock. I thought well, I'll get there before anybody else is. And blow me, there was somebody taking a picture. <laughs> so, it, and when you walk past, it's great to see people still doing that. Yeah. And the fact yeah. they got the Queen to do it, oh, yeah. and she broke yeah. into a wonderful yeah. smile when she took the cloak off. Yeah. Um, so, things were turning round. Not the same old Morecambe. That would never happen. But a new Morecambe, which at the time was difficult to identify. Well, what is the new Morecambe? And it dawned on you that we've so many natural resources here, so much good that's naturally here now, the, not least the view across the bay, but the bay itself and the wildlife, that perhaps we should start building on that more. And um, also, I've always been a big believer in, and I don't think it ever happened in the way it should have done, that we're next door to Lancaster. All the history of Lancaster, magnificent. And the beauty of the Loom Valley and the Trough of Boland. When you think about it, this package in this area is unbeatable. So I think in recent years we've made more of that. And when you come here, you've got so many different things you can do, late district down the road, that sort of thing, that um, we've got a lot going for it. And we have 
turned a corner, there's still a lot to do. But um, when you walk down the promenade now, I have the same pride as I did in the 1950s. I thought, well, this is Morecambe, and it looks good. Things still to do, a lot still to do, but an awful lot has been done already. And it, had it not been done, we would have been really at the end of the road. Well, I think overall, Morecambe people, generally speaking, are proud to live here. They love it, they love going on the promenade, and they look across that bay and think, well, there's nowhere else I want to be. When you get down to the nitty-gritty and you put yourself in the shoes of a holidaymaker, you might start taking a different take on it. You know, what is there to do in Morecambe? Physically, there's not an awful lot to do. But if you're the sort of person who likes fresh air and, and a, the flat promenade has big things going for it for a lot of the older generation and a simple park here, well, that, that's nice. And you can go off to the Lake District and Leighton Moss Bird Reserve, that sort of thing. But you have to say to yourself that there isn't a lot going in Morecambe if you're in Hollamaker's shoes. You think at the end of the day it's probably more of a day trip place or a weekend place. You cannot look back and think we should have Morecambe of the old days. Those days have gone. There's the Winter Garden Theatre on the promenade which is probably the last remaining massive edifice of the old Morecambe and people are working flat out to try and keep it going, bring it back again. But it'll never be a theatre like we remember the Winter Gardens. Morecambe will never be the holiday resort that we knew of the 50s and 60s. It's got to look ahead, it's got to think about Lancaster. This Lancaster-Morecambe divide, I think, has subsided quite a lot now. And the Loon Valley and, and Carnforth, places like that. We're, we're one big package and I think we have every right to promote that and try and bring in the new set of people, new families, knowing that some people still say, well, there's nothing to do in Morecambe. But there is. You've got a feeling of well-being to be in Morecambe. And if you want the big, uh, the big one, you go to Blackpool. It's interesting to say about looking at the, the nature, you know, the bird life of Morecambe, the view across the bay, across the shrimps, you know, the, kind of, you know, the, the marine life as well. Eden Project is on the horizon, we're told, we're fingers crossed that that's, that happens. Do you think that the, could be the, the making of the, the new Morecambe, as you describe it? Without a doubt. And um, if I've got a message to the government, and nobody would listen to me giving a message to the government. Who's that fool in Morecambe giving me a message? But my message to them would be, you, you say you want to level up with the North. This is the one single project that would demonstrate unequivocally, dramatically and wonderfully to give the full financial backing to the Asian project. And it would be the government's vote of confidence in the North of England. And so long as, in my view, the long as, so long as the university is still showing its great interest in it, I think that's our best hope. Because I think the university wouldn't have gone this far, really, without thinking we've got a pretty good chance of getting this through. Yourself, and you know, somebody I know you walk regularly up and down the promenade. I think every day you do a, a daily walk. You know, what's going through your mind when you when you are walking? When you you kind of think about what's what's your history, the kind of you know, your, your track record as a journalist what, what do you think about what do you and what do you what's your view of Morecambe now after all these years working here well I still I still love Morecambe as much as I did and I think it's been a privilege to live here and work here and get to know the people who who live here and um, I've never lost that and I never will and uh, every time I walk along that promenade first thing in the morning it gives me a great fillip I, I feel privileged to do it and Almost every hour the scene changes. I look across the bay and you can see Grange. Next minute you can't see Grange because it's been poured on by some shower that's going around the bay. And um, I passed the Morecambe Golf Links, which are beautiful 
first thing in the morning and you see an early morning golfer setting off and you can see the birds, the wading birds as the tide comes in. Really, it's got everything going for, as far as I'm concerned, Morgan. It always will. My thanks to Mike Worley for sharing just some of his stories, thoughts and observations on life beside the bay. I hope you enjoyed it. I wonder how many people he's interviewed, how many thousands of stories he's written, all recorded life in and around Morecambe. An amazing archive. This is Nigel Thompson. Thanks for listening and until next time, enjoy the bay. Follow us and get in touch. Search Morecambe Bay Podcast on social media.